0: Okay, let's start reading verse thirty-one, and we're just going to read through verse thirty-nine. Don't okay. know if we're going to get there. Can you then Say Amen. 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 What shall we then say to these things? Uh, which is talking about the things that we covered last class? If God be for us, who can be against us? He who spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, yea, rather, who is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also shall make intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For your sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am persuaded, that neither death nor life nor angel nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The heading is God is for us. Remember, we talked about the Holy Spirit helping uh, helping us to pray. We go through situations where we say we don't even know what to pray. We, we just, yeah, yeah. we I or don't right. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the I can't. Pray. I don't even know. I, I don't even know what to pray for. I just. And so the Spirit is there to help us mm-hmm. in our weaknesses, and it's in in reference to prayer, our inability to always. We don't always know. We rarely know what the Lord is actually trying to do. And somebody that's been in a trial says, Amen, brother. That's why the first question you want to ask is, Why? <laughs> what is happening? What? Well, because we don't we don't really understand. We don't really know. So then we get to this. God is for us. Well. We can say amen to that right away when we know that we have the help of the Holy Spirit to help us even pray what we don't even know that we need to pray while we're in the middle of a situation or circumstance. So now we're just going to strengthen it. So, verse 31. But how we've to say these things. Okay, yeah, that's it. These things refers to the suffering presently endured in comparison with the glory which shall be revealed in us, which I think we've kind of already get yeah. hit on that so we don't need to hang out there uh, the next part of that verse says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Should we, since God is for us, because it, that would be a big difference, if God is for us it's not an if, since God is for us, we know that he is for us since God is for us. Paul's thought is in view of the fact that God is for us who is or could be against us so as to do us harm. Since we know that God who is all powerful all knowing all wise totally in control is for us, then who can be against That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Verse 32. Oh, wow, oh, look at that. <laughs> Verse 32. Uh, he who spared not his own son. Uh, if you look at your handout, you have the Greek word for uh, spared It means to treat leniently, to spare. The idea is God gave heaven's best. Yes. When God mm-hmm. saw man and, the rede- and, and saw that man needed to be saved, needed to be redeemed, God did—he withheld absolutely none of the resources that he had in heaven in order to bring about the redemption of mankind. Mm-hmm. Up until which obviously we know even to the point of giving His only Son everything all the resources that He had in heaven which is everything He didn't spare one single thing even to the point that He gave His only Son He gave He literally gave Heaven's best and what's even more powerful is that Christ willingly did it. Yes. Yes. We talked about that Wednesday a little bit. Sometimes we think, okay, God gave his son, and his son died. If it has to be willingly by Christ as well. The two were one in character, but also in the work of redemption. They were in total agreement. Christ wasn't forced to do anything. He willingly did. it. He willingly left everything he had before in heaven. Everything. Came down to earth to be a man. Took on the form of a man. Which means he had to cease So he took on the form of a man. He's still God, but he's laid down. He's dead. Yeah. He takes on the form of a man. He takes on, think about this. God takes on the form of something that he created. Wow. Comes to earth, lives a perfectly sinless life, in the midst, it's just totally surrounded by it, Mm -hmm.
1: takes our place
0: and dies a death that wasn't meant for him, is meant for us. He took our place the whole time, willingly, is crucified, experiences the worst death, the worst way to die, that honestly, maybe that mankind has ever known. It is not fast. Crucifixion is not fast. It's very slow. Okay. Very slow. And just the beating itself would be enough to kill you before you even made it to the cross. And then, as you're nailed and hanging, what happens is you, when you you're, you're hanging, and your lungs are. You can't breathe. So just in order to, so it means you're dying at that moment, just to breathe, you would have to pick yourself up, take a breath, let it out, and then go back down. And you would have to continuously do that to stay alive. And you're already exhausted because you've been beat. Yep. crown thorns placed on your head painful just to stay alive pick yourself up by your hands which are nailed just to take one breath that's just one yeah. how many times have you taken a breath since we've been in here you don't even know that's just one breath he dies that death, which was meant for us, for you, for me, takes my place. My Lord. Then he's risen. He takes he takes the sin penalty upon himself. You think crucifixion was bad? The penalty. For all of mankind, sin is the worst thing. And he took even that. Then, obviously he dies, buried, he's raised. But for all eternity, he will remain in the body that he was crucified in. Even though in a glorified state, he'll forever bear the marks of Calvary. Mm-hmm. He will forever have the scars in his hands and his feet. Think about this now. I'll be honest; I didn't until I studied this and just studied and see and seeing what Brother Swagger said. He willingly gave up all of that to never have it again. He's never going to be what He once was because He'll forever be in the form of a man when He was not in the beginning. He gave up everything to save us and at the end of it we're going to look like us or we're going to look like him but you get not idea. <laughs> he's forever going to have that body he's never going to be what he was before now that doesn't diminish the place that he now holds but you get the idea he spared not his only son he gave heavens best the absolute best mm. How about the next part okay but deliver him up to us all concerns the whole of mankind he delivered him up to become a man which he will remain in that form forever for 33 and a half years he lived as a peasant and during his three and a half years of public ministry, he was reviled, scorned, rejected, and then crucified. Praise God. Who wants to be in ministry now? Okay. <laughs> he bore the sin penalty for all of mankind, which was so awful that God could not even look upon the scene. He now resides in a glorified body and will do so forever, but that is still a far cry from that which he once had but will never have again due to what he did for humanity the next part how shall he not with him also freely give us all things now he already gave heaven's best and the next part says how shall he not Free. Praise God. give us all things The idea is that if God has done this, the giving of his only son in order that we might be saved, how can we think that he is going to allow us to be overcome by the evil? But every time we get into trial, that's what we think. (laughs) Oh, foolish Tanner. shall he not? Yes. Hmm. Who already gave heaven's best, how shall he not freely give you all things Mm -hmm. that you need for life and godliness? Yes. He already gave you heaven's best. Everything else is lined up. Yeah. If God did what he did, respecting our salvation, then one can be certain that he will do whatever it takes to keep that for which so much has been paid. Remember, you bought with a price, and it wasn't a cheap one either. Uh-huh. Brother Sid, I don't know if you built been at this house, but either way, I would consider that you would have paid a decent price for this home even if you bought it or built it. Now, because you paid such a great price, the one thing that you'll do is make sure that you keep it, right? That you keep, it's going to be well kept, be taken care of, something great, we have got to fix it. Because it was what a great investment. Now, if you were God's great investment, Like, Brother Sid, Sister Minnie's investment, as far as this life, is home. And how they treat their home. Now, if they treat their great investment like that, and sinful man treats his good investments like that, how much more will a perfect father treat and keep his greatest investment? I feel that. Mm. Ah, but I gotta take it for me personally, just because I'm teaching don't mean nothing. I'm his greatest investment. Mm-hmm. Take it from you for you are his greatest investment. Why would he not take care of his greatest investment? That's right. Ah, Lord. Amen. The word freely in the Greek, you got your hand down so that you have the Greek word. It means without a cause, freely, and. Uh, yes, thank you, God. Got up here. God gives us all things not because we deserve them, He does it because of His love and His grace. Verse 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Means who shall pronounce those guilty whom God pronounces righteous? Amen. 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 We just kick self-righteousness right in the back pocket, right here. Yeah. Religion. Yeah. That's right. Every single sin by the trusting believer which has been committed has been washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ and because of one's faith in that shed blood. It is terribly improper and actually an insult to God for a believer to bring up the sins of another Which have long since been washed clean by the blood of Jesus. And also to bring up your own sins. That have been washed clean by the blood of Jesus. Remember we've gone through justification. Just as if you never sinned. And you got justification by what? Faith faith in Christ and what he has done so if you continue to express faith in Christ and what he has done then you are justified you are right with God if my brother sins and yet and I can see that and but yet he is trusting in the blood of Jesus And here I come. Mr. Holy Spirit. (laughs) Brother, can you make yourself right? He's trusting in the Lord. His faith is right. His faith is actually probably more right than mine. And God's word says, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Me, as a fellow believer, I can't lay anything to his account that has been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And the moment I do, what I'm saying is that the blood of Jesus is not enough.
1: Well, it's not genuine. You don't get that choice.
0: <laughs> and there's going to be times where it's going to look real ugly. I'm telling you the truth. In a believer's life, they're going to find themselves in the middle of a trial, of a struggle that they want victory over. But yet, it's still there, it's still there, it's still there. Just like Sister Angie talked about this morning, some of them got a deeper grip than others. And it's still there, and it's still there, and other people can see it, other believers, we can see it. It's still there, it's still there, and the whole time that they're going through it, they're trusting the Lord. And their faith is in the right place. But this is a sanctification Process. It doesn't happen all at once. It takes a little time. It took seven days for the walls of Jericho to come down. Sometimes it's just not bang like that. And if we see it in another brother or sister's life, and we said, well, And we, we start laying that to their account, but yet they're trusting. I'll just tell you straight up, you are so self-righteous. And you better check your own plate first. You worry about the spec. And you got a plank because they got a bondage that they're trusting. You got a plank. Of self righteousness, right? Which also means that you are not trusting in the work of Calvary. Your faith is actually in you. God does much more than merely forgive but actually erases the sin from the account of the believer, treating him as if the infraction was never committed. That is what justification means. God won't be bringing up past failures and past sins. Don't bring up others and don't bring up your own. Don't try to dig up what God has buried. Don't try to take the stones out from underneath the Jordan River. Yeah. And don't be trying to take somebody else's. Yeah, don't be taking your own Uh, The next part. It is God who justifies. No one, not even Satan or his evil angels, dare question or deny God's plan of justification. Amen. Mm. Amen. Verse 34. Who is he who condemns? Who, sh- who shall pronounce those guilty whom God pronounces righteous? See now we get we're gonna get even deeper into it. The only one who dares to do this is Satan. He is labeled in Scripture as the accuser of the brethren. When a believer stoops to the low level of accusing or condemning another believer, they have then joined the league of Satan. Sometimes, we don't really take things that seriously. Oh, this is so true. oh no. I wasn't doing it. I'm just saying that, you know, that take that to the book. That scripture actually says <laughs> who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect. It is God that justifies. God chooses the way that man can be justified. Not you. God chooses. Not you. God's plan not yours who is he that condemneth if you do you are you are you are in a place that Peter found himself Peter a follower of Christ we all know that Jesus talking about going to Calvary Peter says Peter, walk from you, Lord. And Peter thought he was the Messiah. Peter even had the confession that he was the Son of God. And Jesus turns and says, Get behind me, Satan. Yeah. Oh, so Peter, Satan. No, no, no. The thought process that was going through Peter's head was not from the Lord. It was from... He was, at that moment, he was lining himself up with Satan. Right. Yes. A believer can actually do that. Yeah, you're right. If you're accusing another brethren, you have just done it. And if someone were to turn to you and say, get behind me, Satan, don't get your feelings hurt. Because you are lining yourself up Now, I don't think anyone is going to tell you that. But if they did. See, the attack wasn't on Peter. It wasn't Peter. Peter, you're not horrible. That's not the idea. We take everything so personally. What if Peter Peter would have acted like that? Like we do today. Get behind me, (laughs) Satan. You don't love me. Honestly, you don't love me. Who do (laughs) you think you are? We take it so far. I don't have to deal with this. I'm out of here. I mean, let's be honest. With the way that society is today, the way that we act, someone tells us the truth. And we get our feelings hurt. When it's the truth, we would rather someone lie to us, and we think because you hurt my feelings, oh, that oh, oh, my goodness, well, that can't be right. If you got your feelings hurt, it it actually might be right. If Peter would have gotten his feelings hurt. Who knows what Scripture would have been looking like? But Peter did. But a minister stands up and tells us the truth, steps on our toes, and we take it personally. Well, he just doesn't like me. Who cares? What? But that's how, that's the direction of the society is going. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely right. Uh, The next part. That was a breath. I'm not sure why we went there. (laughs) right. It is Christ who died. When one is condemning a fellow believer, one is condemning Christ. The price he paid and the victory is won. So now we see how serious it really is. The next part. Yea, rather, who is risen again. The resurrection ratified the fact that Jesus was the perfect sacrifice, and that God accepted it as such. If God has accepted the sacrifice of His only Son, and proven it by raising Him from the dead, then who are we, or anyone else for that matter? to question such by condemning those who have placed their trust and faith in Him. If He didn't pay for every single sin, He could not have been raised from the dead. Because the type in the Old Testament was a spotless perfect lamb. And if And sin causes death. So if one sin was not paid for, death would still reign. Yeah, that's right. But the fact that death doesn't reign. Well, how do you know that? Because he was raised from the dead, he defeated death. Which means it doesn't rain. The only one that reigns now is Christ. Right. That's right. Yeah. Which means that every single sin has been paid for. Yes. For those who repent and accept God's redemption plan. Yes. For those who don't They have no sacrifice for their sin. They will stand alone. That's That's right. Next part. Who is even at the right hand of God? At this very moment, he is exalted at the right hand of God. Next part. Who also makes intercession for us? The purpose for the exaltation is intercession. His intercession guarantees... Not only what he has already done respecting our salvation, but guarantees any future sin to be washed and cleansed as well upon repentance and confession. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now this is important, catch this. Speaks of the love of Christ for the believer. And not the believer's love for Christ. Right. That's important. Make sure we got that before we travel any farther forward. It's Christ's love for you, not your great love for Christ. It's His great love for you. Next part. Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril? Or sword. However, these weapons may disfigure, deform, degrade, or denigrate the believer, Christ will still love and prize. Amen. You know. Amen. We as human beings, we have a temple of sometimes. I love you if I'm attracted to you, and we get along. <laughs> And if someone were to lose the attraction, I mean, look at all the divorce in the world. If we find ourselves not attracted to that person anymore, now they get on our nerves. I don't love them anymore. But thank God Christ is not like that. Because to be honest, we go through some things in this life that are ugly and they hurt us. Sometimes the situations that some of us came out of were ugly, and He never loved us less. Remember, it's not our love for Him and His love for us. Right. There's nothing that you could go through that could make Christ love you less. Or make him want nothing to do with you. No. Joseph was just as dear to that love when lying in the dungeon as when seated on the throne. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Joseph was just as close to God and experience the love of Christ just as much in the dungeon as He did on the throne. Like what Angie said this morning. Whether you got everything or nothing, He still loves you the same. He didn't love Joe any less. When He allowed things to come at Job, It wasn't because he loved him less. He loved him the same then as he did
1: before and after.
0: No matter what comes your way, it doesn't mean that he loves you less. No matter what hurt, pain, loss, sickness, we can name 50,000 things doesn't mean that he doesn't love you as much. That's a lie. Scripture says that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. And the love of Christ was manifested at Calvary. No matter the situation or circumstance that you find yourself in, no matter how bad it looks, no matter what it tells you, your situation and circumstance can tell you and make you feel that God does not love you. That's a lie. And if your faith isn't in what He was done at Calvary, then you're going to start feeling like He doesn't love you. But if you are focused in, if your faith is in the right object, the person of Christ and the work of Christ, then that is where you are looking to see if God loves you, which you'll know right away, He loves me with everything that He has, because what? He gave Heaven's best for me. He didn't spare Heaven's best for me. Yeah, but you lost everything. He didn't spare Heaven's best for me. He me more than anything in this world. I can say I'm the apple of his eye. Well, how do you know that? You lost everything in your life, Joe? Because how the we happen and you can't take that away from me? You can take everything else, even my life itself, but you can't. That's
1: right. Right you're here. nothing yeah. nothing can separate yeah. me
0: from the love of Christ <laughs> and I can find it at the foot yes. yes no tribulation that I'll go through can separate me from it no distress that I go through can separate me from it. No persecution or famine can separate me from Jesus and what he did at the cross. No nakedness or peril or sword can separate me. These trials are allowed by God to test our faith and purify it. They can either purify your faith or cause you to stop loving Christ. I didn't say that Christ would stop loving you. They can either purify your faith and draw you closer or cause you to stop, you to stop loving Christ, cause you to walk away, cause you to forfeit your salvation, even though He never stops loving you. Amen. And yeah, that's why we see somebody to kind of goes back to what you saying earlier. You <coughs> see somebody who's going astray, and their love for Christ has faded. Is dwindled and, and it's obvious and they're backsliding. But be careful how we treat such a one yeah. and how we judge such a one yeah. because Christ's love for them has not dwindled. Yeah. 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 This is taken from Psalms 44, verse 22. In this psalm, God had done great things for his people, but, the seemingly, but then seemingly withdrew his hand of help and protection, allowing his people to seemingly be overcome. Israel had strayed, and God would search this out, for he knows the secrets of the heart. God knows, even when you don't, God knows what has a hold of the reins of your heart. He knows. We don't always know. We think it's something, and it ends up being something different. David said, try me. Try me, O Lord. See, if there be any wicked way in me what are you saying David David's saying I don't even know what I don't even mean, know you got to show me because there you got to show me because I know try, try try the reins of my heart what has it I think it's you Lord but tribulation for two purposes to expose the leaven of sin in our lives and the second thing is to draw us nearer to him Uh, to expose the leaven in our lives, number one to expose the leaven in our lives, I don't want to just say sin, a lot of times it's to show us the wrong object of faith, which is sin, but I don't want to just say that so people don't necessarily understand that that most of the time it's the wrong object of faith, because that when that happens, that's, what, that's where sins really coming from. Yeah. It's the wrong object of faith. We have faith in something else. Something else has the yeah. reins of our heart. Yeah. Uh, the next part. Uh, we are we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. We are bought with a price, and our lives no longer are our own after we get saved. We spend more time building our own kingdoms than His kingdom. Matthew chapter 16 verse 25 says, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. All we, can, all we can say is yes to its process. So, from verses 31 to verse 36, we see seven questions asked. The first question is, what shall we say to these things learned in Romans? The second question, if God be for us, who can be against us? The third question, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? The next, number four, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Number five, who can condemn you? Number six, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Number seven, what shall separate us from the love of Christ? And that completes that section.